Welcome to Flop Stars Season 7, the podcast about artists who are in our hearts but not so high up the charts. This is an unusual episode for us. Well, not unusual because of the album we're talking about, but unusual because I'm staring you right in the eyes. We're in, we're in the flesh. Right now, we're next to each other. Never have we done an episode in the flesh in the three Literally years. Literally never. The pandemic started our podcast. We live on opposite sides of the, of the planet at the moment. Sam's in New York. I'm just north of Sydney, and right now we are both just south of Sydney, <laughs> sitting <laughs> Which is beautiful, outside. in the sun. It's gorgeous. There hasn't been a single sound. It's a very tranquil area. It is so, we're probably so quiet. disturbing everyone else's peace. wonderful, peaceful Which experience. Is nice. Which and is so kind we of... should be. And that's the aim of the podcast, really, is to disturb the peace. It feels right for us to be sitting next to each other for this album, because... Yep. It is Lover by Taylor Swift, which is an album all about love, yep. the many ins and outs of love and connection yep. and company. So not that we are in love, but we are sitting next to each yeah. other. So we have that kind of connection to talk about this album by Taylor Swift, which of course <laughs> is an album that predated the pandemic by, um, I guess, just over six months or so. and Snuck in there. It did. It snuck in there. And the reason why we put it into Flop Stars is because this album did quite well, actually. It sold close to a million copies in the first week, as Taylor Swift often does. But it, one, failed to have a number one single. And it, two, really failed to get a single that really made a long-lasting impact. And we're going to delve into that a lot. But this is a very different album for Taylor Swift. It's her longest album at about 16 tracks. I think it's 16 tracks or 15 tracks. Anyway, it's bloody long. It was long to go back on. Very long. Um, It's a definite shift in tone from Reputation, a much sunnier record, one that um, deals with being very much in love with her Joe Um, and also figuring out how to write about heartbreak and stuff kind of in the rear vision because obviously she has... A very happy relationship. I, I think she still does, but during the recording of this album, she had a very happy relationship. Um, so she's trying to bottle all that and put it into one album. And the result is somewhat confusing, I would say. It's, it is a little bit confusing. It, on the surface, combines these really sort of preppy kind of beats that that really are quite simple mm. and quite straightforward. Um, pairs them with, at times a tendency to try and get a little bit deeper and try and shroud things in mystery and try and shroud things in sort of secrecy. But then in other times, being yeah. very, very loud and abra- almost abrasive yeah. in an extremely poppy way about it on songs like Man, You Need to Calm Down. Yeah. Um, there's elements of, I think when me, the first single came out, it was very... It was very hard to tell where this album was going to go. And luckily, it went a little bit more maturely than we were first thinking because it yeah. did have a little bit of a oh kids' pop element to it. Do you, do you remember hearing that, that single for the first time? I do just... remember hearing it for the first time and hating it from the minute I <laughs> pressed play on it. Like, just not being able to understand what on earth she was thinking by putting that song out. Yeah. I think in hindsight, I kind of get it. That she wanted to do something very sunny. I think, obviously, Panic had had a big single with, um, what's that song? High Hopes. Hopes. So, it was in that kind of vein. And and I guess, here's an artist trying to navigate an an industry and a a mainstream sound that doesn't really cater to her. 
she's obviously dealing with falling public favour. I think reputation showed that in the fact that apart from Look What You Made Me Do and like Delicate had a bit of a run, but there wasn't a massive hit on that album. And I think people were just kind of losing interest with Taylor Swift. Her stocks were down, which sounds ridiculous to say given how much the album album sold. But that's always going to happen when you have a strong fan base. But you need those periphery fans to come in to have a massive album. And that just was not happening for Taylor at the time. And me, instead of reigniting that flair for Taylor Swift, it completely dulled it in, in the worst way. I think that song just got absolutely trashed on. It did, because you're right, there wasn't the greatest of favour around her. And, and the, the funny thing of hindsight is we've now had, what, three albums since this? Yeah. And I would dare to say that whole reputation has been repaired. And um, Unbelievably, yeah. Yep. Like, and it really only took another one after this to, to repair it. I think as soon as she went back to her roots, as soon as she went into that, that sort of cosy uh, space again after this, yeah. everyone was sort of like, oh, no, there's still a little bit of her there. But this feels like the last moment where she was sort of losing her way a little bit still and still yeah. not 100% sure of what she wanted to be, still really eager to please the pop heads and to, to prove that she was a smart, savvy futuristic forward-thinking pop writer um, yeah. around the pop girls who were who grew up with her but were kind of trying new things at the time. Um, you know, Katie makes a makes an appearance in the video for um, You Need to Calm Down. Yeah, and, which is and a shit which is as well. Just like those two singles to start. Oh. I <laughs> just, it was just a strange two of the worst. choice. It was a strange choice. And, and the good, the redeeming thing is there are a few very redeeming songs on this record as well. And there are a few very redeeming moments that bring it back into... I mean, I'll go further than to say there's a few. This is one of my favourite Taylor Swift albums by a mile if you cut out about five songs, (laughs) five to seven songs. If you cut them, there is an amazing album in here. And I think that that conversation you were talking about, about the public favour falling back her way, I think it happened during this era. Because I think the first two singles were terrible. I think then Lover kind of brought people back on a bit. Mm. And then I think the Cruel Summers and um, Death by a Thousand Cuts, Cornelia Street, False God. Those moments were like, okay, Taylor Swift is a freaking good writer. But there's also a bigger conversation happening at this point that's not just about Taylor's music, which is... She showed outward support for the queer community, perhaps in the loudest fashion of her career. Yeah. Um, and this was after a period of being panned for being not standing silent. up, for being very, yeah. very silent. Didn't didn't talk about Hillary in the election and, and was really trying to shy away from those conversations. I think because she just had no idea what the response would be and she had no idea where her place and her voice was in that conversation. Well, she still has that that base of being a country music artist from the start, which obviously comes with some kind of expectation about what public views you hold and I don't think that's any excuse to withhold them when you're a star of that size. But also with Lover, she swapped record deals. So she, mm. this was her first album on a new label, the first album where she owned her own masters. Which is a massive and deal. And I think the first album where she was like, you know what, I'm just going to establish what I actually want to be and what I want to say as an artist. And I think she knew that some of that wasn't going to fall 
so well and it didn't i mean like she was politically very loud she was for the first time encouraging fans to vote in the midterms um for democratic candidates obviously the the queer thing was a large um a large theme on this album and then taking back control of her own music as well yeah and i just think you put this all into one at the same time and it's going to be a muddy somewhat convoluted experience but strip that all away take away the me's take away the you need to calm down it's the london boys all the silliness of this album and you have at least 10 of the best songs of her career. Absolutely. And I think what, what was really important as well is even in that muddy mess, with all the importance of her regaining control of her career, was doing it in a very loud way. And yeah. this is easily her loudest album. So loud. Like, it is screaming. It is bombastic. It yeah. is big. The songs sound... At, at points, they sound a bit thin, I think, production-wise, and a yeah. bit basic. I forgot that you existed, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, there's no, there's no... Where's the bass in is to try and turn it off and it doesn't appear. There's nothing yeah. in it. Um, but but I think lyrically, at least, across the whole album, and then at, at points, especially, like, even with me, it was loud. Yeah. It was a big song. Even the fucking title is capitals and an exclamation mark in it. Yeah. Like, I'm here. I'm yeah. here. Hey, th- kids, spelling is fun. Spelling is fun. And I think there are elements of that that needed to happen. And, and even, even the more kitsch and ridiculous moments on this, um, I, I think... When we think about Taylor as a whole, you have those quieter, cozier moments that I was talking about with with Evermore and Folklore. And then you've got these louder, more kind of ridiculous moments that really define her. And there's elements of that shake it off kind of feel as well, which was objectively a silly, silly song as well. A masterclass in pop writing, but a silly, silly song. And and it sort of feels like she's taken that sort of feel and and, and where she was at that point and put that kind of feeling into the album. I feel too that... There's always been an element of character in any album that Taylor Swift has released. Obviously, Reputation was based off this personal experience she had with falling public favour and obviously the whole Kanye mess, which she morphed into this character of a vengeful kind of protagonist who was dark and mysterious and quite, I guess, violent in a verbal way. Yeah. and then on, on 1989, you have the blank space thing where she takes the press's narrative and she twists it into something else to make this really melodramatic character. And to some extent, she does that on Lover, but I think the walls finally start to fall down. And yep. you see it on songs like Daylight and Afterglow, um, yep. which are very personal love songs. But mm-hmm. then you also have Soon You'll Get Better, which yeah. is a song that I still cannot listen to. Um it's about her mum being sick with cancer and it recounts quite vividly um, the detail in that from the kind of yellow-tinged um, pill-like um, jars to the, the, the glow of the hospital lights. And it's so vivid and the Dixie Chicks are on... or the, the Chicks are on that one yeah. too. Which is one of the just, like one of the most personal I've ever heard her in her music and it falls in line with her being um, outspoken publicly as well and I think maybe she knew that she had to have this kind of uncomfortable album to get herself to the point in her career where she is now where I mean she's universally adored once again this Midnight's has been an absolute 
slam dunk for Taylor Swift in the biggest way. But you know, but it took the uncomfy times exactly. to get there. Exactly, and Midnight's couldn't happen without Folklore and Evermore, no. and Folklore and Evermore couldn't have happened without Lover. And I think even the title track on Lover was sort of almost a prelude to her going back 100%. to roots a little bit yeah. and going back to these sort of more acoustic, you know, broad ballads that go into places you don't really expect them to go, yeah. which she's done so well in, in so many elements of her career. And sometimes it's come out in more of a pop way and sometimes it's come out in more of a country and rootsy sort of way. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we wouldn't have gotten to Midnight's and we wouldn't have appreciated Midnight's in the way that we have if we hadn't gotten her back to that sort of element of her songwriting and really yeah. putting her songwriting into, into being the star. And that started again at Lover. Because you're totally right, because people started evaluating and critically appraising her songwriting once again yeah. instead of just her character, which on Reputation they never did, even though there's some great songwriting on Reputation. But songs like Cruel Summer and Lover and Daylight really put the focus back onto Taylor Swift as a songwriter and they were like, she's good. Exactly. She's actually very, very good. Because all they did on Reputation is instead of focusing on the songwriting, they focused on what she was saying and how yeah. it related to their existing narrative of who she Absolutely. was. And she played into it She as well. did. Yeah. And, you know, we've done Reputation before. and Go listen to it. Go listen to it. It's a great episode. And in fact, I would say, pause this, go back to that, come back to this. <laughs> no, because I'll never come back. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's almost like these albums have all had to exist for the next one to exist or exist yeah. for one a couple of records away to exist. And, um, you know, I think she's fascinating like that. I want to talk about that title track for a second because I think yeah. that for me was really the moment where I went, that's right. She actually is one of the world's I think greatest songwriters. Yeah. I think for me too. Just immediate. I believe that Lover was written purely by Taylor, I think. Um, and it is just like a walls down moment for her. Just a pure, yep. genuine love song. And to me shows that the wheel's starting to turn on her public favour, but it's not turned the full way because she released it as a single around Christmas time brilliant move yep. like a an Ed Sheeran-esque move to get the ballad out for Christmas like perfect but it didn't hit the way it should have like it, for example if yeah. she released Lover now at Christmas time off the back of Midnight's number one easy yep. for weeks but that just shows that there was still some kind of like there was still a little she was still dipping her toes into popularity and and this whole album should have been bigger, but I agree with you that that is the moment that people were like, okay, oh, shit. we can appreciate her as a songwriter once again. It took two lines in. Yeah. To go, oh, that's right. I mean, that's we couldn't leave again. the Christmas lights up through January. Through January. It should have been, not to January, because that's a bloody quick turnaround. No <laughs> yeah. one's ready to pull everything down first of, like, no. 31st of December. I didn't put mine up until the 23rd of December. This year, you're gonna say till the 31st. Like, <laughs> you, really, you really missed the moment. I wouldn't have that. put it past me. But do you know what I got for, for Christmas lights this year? There were no, there was, I had some, some like fairy lights still, which was nice, but there were no trees I could buy that were under like $400 because I bought so late. Because of all the, the weather here, too. And because of all the really weather. Really ruined it. Yeah. Really ruined Christmas tree season. Yeah. So I bought three cardboard cones that were covered in glitter and wrapped some tea lights around them. <laughs> and that was my Christmas tree this year. Where'd you get the cardboard cones? From the Christmas tree warehouse shop. 
What were they like glittery or anything, or just they were the they were glittery, covered in glitter, covered in a gold sort of glittery vibe. You should have just picked up a few witches' hats. That was pretty much. They're they're probably smaller than witches' hats as well. <laughs> well, in that case, I would say don't leave it up to January. Just no. Take it down the day after Christmas. Well, today we're recording this on the first of February, and they're still up. So still up. Yeah, because the glitter gets everywhere when I move them, so I don't want glitter all through the house. Well, you're gonna have to do it's it eventually. Enough, eventually, yeah. <laughs> Gloves on. Let's move into a song game. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, um, I actually can't remember what the my theme, theme was for it, but maybe it'll become apparent as we move through it. Um, I think I just put... No, you know what? It's songs about love. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's songs from Lover up against songs about love. Cool. So the first one is me, exclamation mark, yep. feet Brendan Urie, formerly of Panic at the Disco. Yeah. Versus Made You Look by Megan Trainer. Oh. Two woeful songs. No, I would disagree with you there. Because Made You Look was a smart pop moment. And it worked. I love how you've turned to the camera to intently declare <laughs> your love for Made You Look normally, by Megan Trainer. Normally I'm looking directly at a camera the whole time, so it just, oh, it just naturally. I haven't realised we've just been. Yeah. Yeah. We've got third we've got like a, we're breaking the fourth wall. We are breaking the fourth Look wall. Look at the we're camera. Phoebe Waller Bridges of us. <laughs> <laughs> Before it fucking overheats again. Um Is it Phoebe Waller Bridges? Phoebe do you mean Phoebe? Or is that Phoebe Bridges? You're talking about Phoebe Bridge. No, I'm not talking about Phoebe. I'm talking Phoebe about Waller Phoebe Waller Bridge, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, Waller Bridge. Yeah. You know we have devices that you can Google things on. Yeah, but I'm not I don't think it's worth it. People know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. Um my answer to your question, um, however... Can you remember the question? Yeah, it's me versus Made You Look. Yeah. Not a hard question. Um, I would say Made You Look. Yeah. Because I think it it was brave of Megan to stick <laughs> with something that she had been panned for in the past. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. And to just do do-wop again. <laughs> she but she was hardly panned. She did very well soldier. Yeah, and then she tried to do other things and it didn't work, so she just went back to that. To do what? Taking it back. But everyone was really says. rude about her, and everyone kept being like, "We're not bringing this bloody do what shit back in from the fifties into into now. This is silly." And then she did another do what song, and it went really, really well. So I'm going to go Magic Look based just on that. Okay. All right. I'm going to go me, just because I hate Magic Look even more than me. But also, if you catch me on a good day now, maybe I will give me a listen. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a joyous listen. Yeah. It's a jovial listen. I it think is a jovial Brendan listen. Brendan Urie was a very strange choice. So strange of any and and for her first ever lead single with a feature on it to go with Brendan Urie. Yeah, of Panic at the the now defunct Panic at the Disco. So weird. Ridiculous. So weird. Um, okay, the next one is you need to calm down. The Stupid Love by Lady Gaga. You let somebody eat that I don't know. No, I think um I think Stupid Love still to me felt like the return of something in a very massive way, whereas you need to calm down is quite mid. Um So mid. So mid. 
Joel Little is the guy behind mm. me and you need to calm down. She hasn't worked with him again since for very good reason. He's talented. I don't know if he... But I think... Not his best work. No. I think he'd be cool with that. Really? I think so. You work with the biggest artist in the world and you don't do your best work and you're just cool with that? Yeah. Well... If I worked with Taylor Swift, I would not sleep. I would be up trying to make the next... Yeah. I don't know. What's the gold standard song? Love Bodak it. Yellow. Bodak. <laughs> what about you with that one? Um, yeah, You Need to Calm Down is just such a basic-ass pop song for yeah. Taylor to do. Um, and even though I'm not crazy about Stupid Love by Lady Gaga, I do agree with you that it felt quite exciting. It was the, turn, the return it was to... A return. Yeah. Dance pop gaga. So I'll go with Stupid Love as well on yep. this one. Okay, good. Next one is Lover, a song you've Lover. praised. This will be hard to beat, so I'm intrigued if okay. you put it up Verse against. POV by Ariana Grande. Oh, Lover. Easy. Really? POV's not that good a song. POV is so good. It's no, it's no 34 plus 35. It's no position. Oh my god, it's, it's no so much better than 34 plus 35. No, it's 35. not. Do you think it's better than positions? Yes. No. I think POV is like one of the best on positions. It's the no, album. It's, it's mid position. It's mid it's so positions good. for me. It's mid positions. It's not mid overall. She sounds incredible on it. Yeah, but so does Taylor on Lover. No, she takes Taylor with the vocals on POV. Easy. But you, do you reckon POV is a better song than Lover? Yeah. No. I don't think Lover is one of the best on the album. I think it's just a good, simple display of her songwriting strength. No, because I think it's so intricate and so interesting whilst also being quite basic. Yeah, I agree with that. Because that's what she's very good at. She's very good at subtly reminding you that she's one of the greatest songwriters on the planet. But I think POV is like way more complex lyrically and gives a better kind of view of being that in love like POV is like you love me so much I want to have that same love for myself but Taylor says and you'll save all your dirtiest jokes for me which m- means what do you think Joe has any dirty jokes come on hello <laughs> <laughs> I'm going POV you're going lover let's just agree to disagree yeah I, I th- very fundamentally disagree with you on that one. Fundamentally. Fundamentally, at the core of my heart. Well, it's not like religion or anything. I it think is. you'll be okay. Me um, in, okay, the final one my is religion. Cruel Summer. Versus Supercut by Lord. Not really a love song, but of, of a relationship. That's a really hard one, actually. Both Jack Antonoff. Yeah. Creations. St. Vincent has a writing credit on Cruel Summer. Did not know that. Mm. That makes sense. Jack and St. Vincent did a fair bit of stuff together, didn't they? Yeah, a couple yeah. albums. Um, oh, it's a really hard one because Supercut is my, one of my favourite Lord songs. Um, this is hard. I haven't even thought about where I'm going to go. No. This. this is the underdog round of this song game. Yeah. I just think, I reckon Supercut's just probably, Cruel Summer's an underdog Taylor song. Yeah. But I think, yeah. 
This is really I freaking hard. Yeah. Because I love the pulsating beat of Supercut and the yep. energy that runs through it, which I think Taylor kind of borrows for Mastermind off Midnight. Yes. Um, but Cruel Summer has this like aggression and this energy to it, which yep. is so magnetic. And I think Lord says herself, she wishes that she could write bridges like Taylor can. Yep. And Supercut is maybe an amazing bridge away from being the best song of all time. Whereas Cruel Summer's bridge makes it one of Taylor's best songs. And Taylor did so many good bridges on this album as so well. So this, this is Bridge City. Bridge honestly. City. If we think we've got it good with the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And the Anzac Bridge. Lover, oh, I love the Anzac Bridge. What about, what about in New York? What have you got there? The, the bridges are... I mean, the Brooklyn Bridge is nice. Brooklyn Bridge, yeah. Yeah. Manhattan Bridge is pretty trashy. Yep. Williamsburg Bridge is a bit of a mess. Mm, yeah, no. Um, no, no you've got there. the Marie Cuomo Bridge, which is quite Marie nice. Kondo. Cuomo. The woman with the folding and the tidying. No, not Marie Kondo. <laughs> Do you think they're going to whip up a bridge in her name? I reckon they should. <laughs> <laughs> She's fucking one Netflix show and she gets a bridge in New Which York. Which she now you regrets. You imagine, imagine that with traffic, she would be beside herself with how unorganised <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> if your car doesn't spark joy, just abandon it <laughs> in the middle of the bridge. <laughs> Chuck it off the edge. Um, you know she now regrets doing that show and says that she's thrown out her entire method since she had kids. Because it didn't spark her joy. Because it didn't, <laughs> didn't work with kids. Of course kids, it doesn't work with kids. Kids don't know how, how joy works. Anyway, do you remember what we were talking about? No, Bridges. Bridges. Uh, bridges. The, the Cruel Summer is. has a great bridge. Yeah. You know what, though? <laughs> Cruel Summer's bridge is not the best bridge on the album. I think the best bridge is Death Lover. by a Thousand Cards. Oh, yeah. My hips, my body, my love. Trying to find a part of me that you didn't touch. Gave up on me like I was a bad drug. Now I'm searching for signs in a heart. Yeah, yeah. My heart, my heart, my spirit, my truth. Yeah. What's Lover's Bridge? And you'll see... Ladies and gentlemen, oh, that's not that good. <laughs> just decided that lovers. I'm just backing lover all the way. You, that's the hill you're going to die on, yes, isn't it? it so, is. what are you going with? Cruel Summer or Supercut? Supercut, okay. but only just. It's hard, but I yeah. just feel like Supercut's such a oh, defining so moment hard. in Lord's history. Well, you yeah, gotta come I'm going to go Supercut too. Good, smart, good from you. I um, shouldn't have put it against that. Yeah, we should talk about what the critics said about this album. Yeah. Stars. So Rolling Stone called it the fourth best album of the year. Yeah. Which feels like a very right. high status for 2019 it. wasn't a great year. Well, Billboard called it the third best album. The, of the third, year. wow. Really up there. I mean, I do see it, but I love Lover, but the reason I love it is because I listen to it in the way I want to listen to it, and that's by cutting the shit. So there's no um there's no I forgot that you existed on my version. Yeah. There's no it's nice to have a friend. There's no me. There's no you need to calm down. Um, there's sometimes London Boy if I'm feeling a bit fruity. That, that's my thing with London Boy. Yeah, I've got to be in a certain mood to appreciate it. But, yeah. I, but when I'm not in that mood, Hate it, it. it annoys me. I like to ride around on my, 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 like, sh- my scooter. <laughs> Who is it? Sounds like bloody Ozzy Osbourne. Lily? <laughs> Sharon. <laughs> Sharon. Sharon. Have you seen my, my fucking Take scooter? Take me to Shoreditch. <laughs> 
Um, well, Pitchfork, would, you should have reviewed this for Pitchfork because they gave it a 7.1 and said it was five bad songs away from being better than 1989. Yeah. Which, what do you reckon? I actually think it those... is better than 1989, to be honest. Or as it is? Oh, it's so no. hard because there are some real lemons on this Well, And thing. you wouldn't trim anything off 1989, would you? No. No, I wouldn't. Maybe Bad Blood. Yeah, maybe Bad Blood. But, and, and that's where perfect albums come from is the right amount of editing mm. and the right amount of self-awareness to know what you're absolutely right because lord's very good at that melodrama is perfect yep. because there's no fluff on it there's a lot of fluff on there and to be honest it's taylor too trying to navigate the streaming era because i don't think she figured it out really at this point so she thought 16 tracks long albums you know post malone's doing it yeah, maybe fun. i'll do it too <laughs> Woo! All right, so we just had a visit from our silent producer who's given us a spritz. Cheers. <laughs> Sitting out in the sun with a spritz. Oh, my God, is she going to say something? She's not. Hello. <laughs> cheers. Oh, cheers. This, you so there's get your another first thing. opportunity to say something and you say hello. <laughs> there's another new element to this podcast, which is this is the first podcast in our history where we have um, both had a drink during the podcast. Yes, it is. An and alcoholic it's the first drink. one where our silent producer's spoken. <laughs> but she actually has done her job for once <laughs> because she's grilled us about the podcast in the car on the way up. On the way down, telling yeah. us we need to change the name. Yeah. And she's also just handed me a list of a Spotify playlist that is Taylor Swift Bridges. That are, that are God, God tier. tier. Well, perfect. We were just talking so about this. let's talk about the ones that feature from Lover. Okay, yeah. Cruel Summer. Which is at the top of there. this list. It's at the top of the, the playlist, top. which you yeah. presume means it's the number one. Death by a Thousand Cups. Well, the one that said I that. said is my You just one. said that. The Archer. I don't uh, agree with that. Um, and then that's the only, they're the only ones. Yeah. Okay, well, so it's not one of the most. Okay, but Cornelia Street has a has a great one too. There's a stack of. Um, and then the other ones, like the obvious ones, Getaway Car, All Too Well has yep. about seven of them. Um, Cardigan has a great bridge. Dear John, great bridge. Out of the Woods, phenomenal yep. bridge. Yeah, she's just the queen well, of bridges. Well, well. I'm going to well, hand well. this back to our silent producer. It's been demanded. There is one thing that I do want to touch on before we go to a game because I'm aware that this could drag on forever, but. We've talked about how she made very intentional moves to kind of expand on what the public image was of her. And one of those was Taylor had this idea, which is quite correct, that once you reach a certain age as a female pop star, you're put out for pasture, as she put it. Yep. And she made some very intentional moves during this era to change the narrative surrounding that. And she was awarded as, I think it was Woman of the Year or something like that at the Billboard um, Woman of the Year Awards. And she gave this speech that was very intentionally positioned around this idea. But she also made a very loud proclamation of Lana Del Rey's impact in the industry, which is something that Lana often doesn't get a lot of praise for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Lana was obviously older than your Billies and your Lords when she was coming into the industry. And also she was kind of positioned as this melodramatic um, Hollywood-style borrowing caricature at the beginning, which kind of erased any sort of 
impact that she had. But when you think of an album like Lover, like um, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince feels very Lana Del Rey. And I think for Taylor to say something like that, it becomes something more than Lana. It becomes more about having a conversation about female pop stars, about older... It sounds ridiculous to say older. She's barely even old. But, you know, older, quote-unquote, female pop stars and what the industry does to them at a certain point. And can we just say that since Lover, that's changed quite significantly. I mean, Taylor Swift is breaking the biggest records of her life with Midnight's. Um, Miley Cyrus, 30 years old, the yep. biggest hit of her career right now with Flowers. Yep. So it takes... Taylor does a lot of things very intentionally. She's a very clever person. Exceptionally calculated. Streaming in terms of holding her music back from it and then yep. putting her music on it, but under different terms. And now she's brought a lot of attention to masters and re-recording and, and what it means for an artist to own their own work. I just think that this is the era that kind of did it all. And one thing that's very interesting is this era, she made it very clear how important it was for artists to own their own work and to have some ownership over their own work, but also to show that you can dedicate yourself to your music and make that your primary career goal. Because Taylor's one of the only people who does it. Like... She doesn't really have like an Ivy Park or a skincare line or no. anything like that. She purely relies on her music and it, and it helps that she's bloody good at it and she's yeah. good at churning it out very quickly. And she's also good at saying what she needs to say when it needs to be said. And it's interesting because this record would have come out when Taylor was 29, it would be. She's 33 now, so it'd be 29 that this would have yeah, I think so. been. And that's a very particularly interesting age. It's crazy age. that she's that young. I know. But it is the way you start to feel. And I, yeah. you know, you're a couple of years older than me. And All right. No need to <laughs> But even as a 27 year old at the moment, like I genuinely, I have been feeling. Is that all you are? I'm 27, turning 28 this year. Yeah, Jesus. 27 and a half. But, but, but this is a ridiculous thing. You do start to feel a little bit like, fuck, maybe I, I've missed my window here. Maybe yeah. I've missed the boat. Um, and, and, you know, I see these kids doing incredible things on TikTok who are 19, 20 years old. Yeah. And I go, I'm too old to do that now. Yeah. I, I, I am too old because... These creative industries age you out of things very, very quickly or have in the past. But Taylor is very, has been so important, as you say, with almost saying when, when enough's enough. Yeah. And I think with the, with the masters thing, there are so many artists that have gone through that before yeah. and just sort of notched it up to being a part of the industry and yeah. a part of decisions that you make. And then for Taylor to turn around and almost run almost an educational part of her career, yeah. advising younger songwriters, younger artists and artists who are entering the, the industry and artists who have gone through this in the past, that no, it's actually, it's actually not okay. Yeah. And that's okay to acknowledge. Yeah. And then to talk about that with the ageism perspective as well. Um, and and we've talked we've talked earlier in this episode about how she she didn't talk for a few years. Yeah. So when she does talk and when she does make a stand, she make a statement, she makes it impactful. Yeah. And that's something that so many of these pop stars that we talk about, um, that's a through line. Yeah. When they talk, they make impact. Yes. Yeah. When they talk constantly, they don't make impact. But Taylor had often made impact for her public relationships, like albums like Red and Speak Now are very tied to 
high profile relationships reputation is tied to a very public feud with a, a larger than life figure but on this album she didn't have that anymore you know joe is not the hugest celebrity in the world they're not the most flashy couple they keep no. it quite private so it's like what happens when i'm not grabbing headlines for trivial shit now's the time to use my voice because i have space like there's space on the news sites for me to say stuff now because it's not all clouded in what i'm doing in my public celebrity life like now's the time to take charge and she did it and that's maybe the biggest legacy that lover is going to leave apart from having like 10 incredible songs on it and also positioning her as being quite cool i think songs like false god are, are very cool maybe the coolest songs taylor swift's ever made there was some intricately cool moments on here that were sort of dwarfed by the big bombasticness yeah. of things like man you the need to calm down um, silly little song. Yeah, but but she's always hit little, you know, she's she's always hit her little her little gems here and there and she's always hit her little easter eggs here and there. She's very good at that. She's very good at it. Should we play a game? Flop stars. This is lover or a brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of the smaller tracks. My brother is not on... my lover. <laughs> Great chat with your brother earlier. It doesn't mean I'm in love with him. <laughs> That's a very good point. You have a bit of sleep under your eye. So these are the things Do that I? I can, yeah. These are the things that I can tell in person. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, be great to see me in four K. I know <laughs> I don't know if I like <laughs> it. And record you on photo booth. Um, <laughs> this is um, smaller songs from Lover slash sort of underground tracks from Lover paired against men. Um, yep. that may or may not have a relation to her. So I'm going to start okay. with probably my favourite song on Lover that isn't yeah. Lover, and that is Paper Rings. Yeah. You yeah. here for that? Yeah, yeah, I love okay, Paper cool. Rings. Yeah, I was yeah. so nervous telling you that because I yeah. hadn't heard you mention no, it No, I'm a big fan <laughs> of Paper Rings. Like, yeah. <laughs> where do we go from here? <laughs> um, I want to put that up against Harry Styles, who yeah. was her, I, I think we I think confirmed lover. partner and yeah. lover for a while. Yeah. Oh, that's what I should have called it. Lover versus lovers. And then just gone through. Why is it lover versus brother? Because it's men. Oh. Well, it sounds a bit incestuous. Oh, no, I don't mean putting it up against people she's been in yeah, love with. Yeah, but I mean, like, co- but there'll be some of those and then some that she hasn't been in love with, which she had a connection to at some point. Okay. All right. It's getting into muddy water. So it's Paper Rings versus Harry Styles' Sign of the Times. Oh, Paper Rings. Easy. <laughs> It's not that easy for me. Really? I'm sign of the times I can't do. Sorry. Oh. Okay, yeah, I'll go, I, will go, I will go Paper Rings as well, but I still think Sign of the Times. I talk about Sign of the Times as a song about 15 times now. It's great. Um, London Boy, mm-hmm. which we've, we've given early thoughts on, yeah. versus High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Brendan Urie features on oh my God. one of the biggest songs on radio of that year, yeah. without a doubt, all around the world. It was an absolute mega hit. I think I've got to go London Boy. Really? Yeah, I'm really not a fan of High Hopes. But it's, it's good. It's a strong... It's fine. It's a strong song. London Boy's very silly, but like it's... It's a bit of fun if I'm in the right mood. I would play that more than I would High Hope. So I'm going to go love, um, London Boy. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I would do the same. I don't know if I think it's a better song. 
Mama said. Yep. Does I get better you? reactions in person. It's great. Um, <laughs> all right. I want to put the Archer yep. up against Sucker by the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> of course, uh, rumored relationship or happened relationship with What Joe Jonas? made you think of these two songs alongside each well, other? Well, because to me, the Archer is the worst song on the album, not to The tease worst my... song on the album? Yes. No way. It's not doing anything. Oh, I think it's an important little interlude there. It's an interlude. Um, well, versus oh, Sucker, which I think is an excellent pop song. Uh, but I think I'm going to go the Archer. I disagree. It's not one of the songs I'd cut from it. You wouldn't Stop cut the Archer. Stop looking at the silent producer for validation because you both don't like. I've the got Archer. validation on the Archer being cut from our producer, <laughs> <laughs> who's now doing archery. I would get I, an archery bow. She would not bow. choose sucker over the archer. I would get it. She's gone silent now. I would get a bow and arrow and shoot through the archer. Oh, how clever! <laughs> how clever! <laughs> All right, live. next one. Let me live. Um, I want to do. Hang on. Who was my other boy? I haven't written these down. Who was the other boy? I can't remember. So I'm going to make it up. Um. All right. What have you written down out of interest? I can check <laughs> your much. homework <laughs> now much. that I'm next to No, you. I came up with it in the car yesterday and I was like, I'll remember all these. Are <laughs> oh, you uh, were driving. Josh, your- Cornelius Street Sh- versus Calvin Harris <laughs> Promises <laughs> featuring Sam Smith. That was a great era. The Cornelius Taylor Street. and Calvin Harris era. Yeah. Um, so I actually love Promises, Calvin Harris and Sam Smith yeah. a lot. Um, but... I love Cornelia Street so much. One year I chose a restaurant on Cornelia Street for Bianca's birthday purely because of that song. <laughs> was it any good? It actually was pretty bad. <laughs> Confirmed? It wasn't good, was it? Yeah. It was during the pandemic, she says. Any, everything was good yeah. in the pandemic. No, it um, wasn't good. But we got to see where she lived on Cornelia Street, so it was worth it. You know that I've seen, like, two of Taylor Swift's homes now because I've creeped outside her Rhode Island home twice and I've seen the Cornelia Street apartment. The only pop star whose home I've ever creeped out the front of is Max Martin's. He's not a pop star. (laughs) Adjacent. (laughs) I went out the front of Max... And what were you hoping to see? Nothing. (laughs) Just looking at it. It's very big. And there are lots and lots of rooms in it. <laughs> of course there's lots and lots of rooms in it. He's written like 21 number Shout one out singles. Shout to Ellis, my friend from London, who was in LA for about two months. <laughs> London boy. And didn't even... Does he like to ride around to on his scooter? Scoot <laughs> shortage. Um, who, we were, he'd only been in London for about two months, but he knew without looking at a map how to get from West Hollywood to Max Martin's house. <laughs> <laughs> Just from sort of that is quite brain a navigation. You know what? I think that I could drive to Taylor Swift's Rhode Island home without map navigation. <laughs> <laughs> um, on there that note, goes the last great American <laughs> dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> um, best and worst song and rating out of 10 oh, shivers. I didn't even think this of this um, best songs 
Oh, you always get annoyed at me when I do multiple. But Cruel Summer. I'll allow it for this one. Death by a Thousand Cuts. Yeah. Um, Daylight. Daylight. Yeah. Important, but not my favourite. Oh, and False God. Yeah. No, uh, three is the maximum. Okay. Please cut one And my least favourite song is Me, or It's Nice to Have a Friend. Let's go with It's Nice to Have a Friend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll choose three favourites as well. Yeah. Mine would be Paper Rings, yeah. um, Cruel Summer, and False God. And my mm. least favourite would be... You like False God too? Yeah. Great. Least favourite would be The Archer. Yeah. And there are no other <laughs> answers. I did not get how you could hate The Archer more than me. Because at least me is leaning into being a bit silly and a little bit ridiculous. The Archer's Well, The too... Archer's not trying to be ridiculous. Well, it's trying to be earnest. Yeah, but it's not that and bad. And I don't like, you know, I don't do earnest. And that's true. It is a little like Lord Lana Del Rey. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And I think production-wise, like it just sort of, you can do plotting and like not really going anywhere. You can do that. But I don't think it does it in a particularly interesting way. Okay. Right. I think this has been a wonderful... Um, I don't think we can sit next to each other again. It makes me angry. Yeah, you go you. back to your cold little <laughs> city over there where it smells of smog. You just pierce my soul Everyone with your goes, eyes. People go, hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> and <laughs> Jeez Louise. Well, you go back to your silly little town what do they where do they there? go, you, are you going to air an affair? <laughs> Oi, I'll believe that. You can't say that word on this that. podcast. That's just an impression Wash of my own, that. of my beautiful metropolis that I live in. That actually, the first day that Bianca and I arrived in Brisbane, we went to get coffee and we were a little jet lagged. So we were wandering across a very quiet road and a car wound down his window and said, move it, ya. The C word. In the first 24 hours. Welcome home, We're never going to get in the Spotify charts if you use that kind of language. I'll put the explicit label on it and I'll be. No, don't put the explicit label on it because then it it doesn't feed it to the same people. Doesn't it? No, because it won't feed it to kids. I don't want it fed to kids. (laughs) Yes, bleep it. Bleep it clean. (laughs) The producers ruled that we're going to bleep. Bleep it. It's funnier if you bleep it anyway. I've always (laughs) found bleeps funnier. <laughs> Rate and review flop stars as we return for season seven. Um, there will be some exciting moments this season, and we are back uh, next week with a great album um, that is quite what? modern. And there's a new one from the artist coming very, very soon as well. Yeah, this fits the flop stars mold like a glove. This which, album. Which no album in the last 13 episodes really has, if we really put our minds to it. Well, there's some, uh, <laughs> some, you know. <laughs> uh, get us at Flopstars Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. We're chucking mm. videos up from the pod. Um, you'll be able to see us in the flesh together in those videos, which is very exciting. Um, as long as they've Jeez. recorded, right? Otherwise, you won't. Bye. <laughs> as long as what? As long as they've recorded correctly. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Done. All right. Right, yeah, we bye. will be quiet then. Hey, Bye. What? The bird. Oh. Yay.